Welcome to Sea of Fire Ministries with James Myers. In this series, we are studying the book of Acts. Today we discuss the Jews' accusations and Paul's defense before Felix. James discusses how the believer must respond to the world's reproaches. We hope this message serves to strengthen and build up the church. So the book of Acts, chapter 24. Now after five days, Ananias the high priest came down with the elders in a certain order named Tertullus. These gave evidence to the governor against Paul. And when he was called upon, Tertullus began his accusation, saying, Seeing that through you we enjoy great peace and prosperity is being brought to this nation by your foresight, we accept it always and in all places, most noble Felix, with all, thanks, with all thankfulness. Nevertheless, not to be tedious to you any further, I beg you to hear by your courtesy a few words from us. For we have found this man a plague, a creator of dissension among all the Jews throughout the world, and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. He even tried to profane the temple, and we seized him, and wanted to judge him according to our law. But the commander Lysias came by, and with great violence took him out of our hands, commanding his accusers to come to you. By, exa- by examining him yourself, you may ascertain all these things which we, of which we accuse him. And the Jews also assented, maintaining that these things were so. Then Paul, after the governor had nodded to him to speak, answered, Inasmuch as I know that you have been for many years a judge of this nation, I do the more cheerfully answer for myself, because you may may ascertain that it is no more than twelve days since I went up to Jerusalem to worship. And they neither found me in the temple, disputing with anyone, nor inciting the crowd, either in the synagogues or in the city. Nor can they prove the things of which they now accuse me. But this I confess to you, that according to the way, which they call a sect, So I worship the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets. I have hope in God, which they themselves also accept, that there will be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. This being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and men. Now, After many years, I came to bring alms and offerings to my nation in the midst of which some Jews from Asia found me purified in the temple, neither with a mob nor with tumult. They ought to have been here before you to object if they had anything against me, or else let those who are here themselves say if they found any wrongdoing in me while I stood before the council, unless it is for this one statement which I cried out standing among them concerning the resurrection of the dead, I am being judged by you this day. But when Felix heard these things, having more accurate knowledge of the way, He adjourned the proceedings and said, When Lysias the commander comes down, I will make a decision on your case. So he commanded the centurion to keep Paul and to to let him have liberty, and told him not to forbid any of his friends to to provide for, for or visit him. And after some days, when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, who was a Jewish, Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Now as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and answered, Go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. Meanwhile, he also hoped that money would be given him by Paul, that he might release him. Therefore, he sent for him more often and conversed with him. But after two years, Portius Festus succeeded Felix, and Felix, wanting to do do the Jews a favor, left Paul bound. Let he who has ears to hear the word of God, let him hear it. Our Father and our God, we pray now that you speak through your witness, you speak through your word. Let us see the testimony of your servant Paul in this specific account before Felix, before the council, and rise up in us the same boldness 
the same witness of our apostle Paul. Be now with be with us now and speak, give us ears to hear, eyes to see your word. In Jesus Christ. Amen. So now after five days, and remember, uh, the commander had sent him off to Caesarea Maritima. That's where the capital is of the province of Judea. Okay, so now Felix is, remember, and, and uh, that commander, Lysias, had sent out Ananias and that council to meet in Caesarea to accuse Paul. Remember, he had sent that letter with, with him, and that was to Felix. And so, now after five days, Ananias, the high priest, came down. Now this is, remember we talked about Ananias, and so briefly I just want to say that this is indicative of the fact that he was likely a, just a high-ranking chief priest and not the high priest, because the high priest is very much less likely to go from Jerusalem down to Caesarea for this specific period. He would have just sent out people, so just for that. I just want to mention that. So, and, and they hired basically a, a certain order named Tertullus or an attorney. This is kind of their attorney. Okay, now this man's name means basically thrice hardened. You know when this man speaks basically, or you know when this man lies because basically he's opened his mouth. His whole testimony is a bunch of lying flattery, so which we'll see. These gave, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, these gave evidence to the governor against Paul, and this is their evidence. When he was called upon, Tertullus began his accusation, saying, Seeing that th through you we enjoy, we enjoy great peace, and prosperity is being brought to this nation by your foresight. First of all, we've talked about Felix. This is Antonius Felix, who, who was a terrible tyrant, especially to Jews. Any problem that the Jew, again, even if it's legitimate, if the Jews had a problem with the Romans, he would destroy them. This is a cruel and unjust tyrant, specifically to Jews. This is all lying vanity and flattery coming from this attorney. So, uh, so seeing that the great peace and the prosperity is being brought to this nation by your foresight, they're actually getting more and more impoverished. Through Felix's uh, cruelty, the marketplace, which happens in, in any market, whenever, whenever a tyrant, dictatorships, that's why dictatorships are usually far less economically well off. You know, it's typically the freer the, the people are, the better the, the economy. So this, is, this even is a lie. Uh, so seeing, yeah, I'm sorry about this nation, by your foresight. We accept it always and in all places, most noble Felix, with, with all thankfulness. Basically, he's saying, th this all we receive by your providence, and so we are thanking you. This is meant for God. And he, this, this Jew, this supposed Jew, is saying this to this pagan governor who, who, who destroys and kills his brothers. We see Paul, won't do that, but we'll get to it. Nevertheless, not to be tedious to you any further, right? <laughs> I beg you, I beg you to hear by your courtesy a few words from us. So, for we have found this man a plague, a plague, a creator of dissension among the Jews throughout the world. Okay, so, we consider this man a pestilence. He's not just a pest. We think of pests like we think of these pesky little flies flying around and all that. They are not saying that. Basically, this man is a, is a, Plague. I mean, this man is an infection that, that goes through all the people, okay? So he, they're calling him a plague. We'll get back to that. Um, a creator of dissension among all the Jews throughout the world. We have seen 
dissensions and dissensions and dissensions to attack Paul. And that's what they're saying. Basically, all the uprisings in these other cities, all, the other, all these other issues, all this great tumult, all is on account of Paul. But Paul was never leading that. Paul was the victim of that. So they're, he's using this attorney. is smart, wicked, but smart. So he's saying he's, he's creating all this tumult, this plague, this sickness um, throughout the world. And a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. The Nazarene, basically, obviously, that's talking about Jesus of Nazareth. And there's, there's a lot there. Again, this kind of goes back to the Nazarite vow and the Nazarite, Nazarenes in the Old Testament were actually good and virtuous people. This comes to be a knock when, after Christ comes because any follower of the way, they start calling Nazarenes in a derogatory term, as a derogatory term. So he even tried to profane the oh yeah he even tried to profane the temple and we seized him. Let's go back. For we have found this man a plague, a creator of dissension among all the Jews throughout the world, and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. This is what the world ought to be testifying about the people of God now. Whenever the word of God is faithfully preached, this is the reaction: slander, hatred, and all sorts of false accusations. I mean that's pretty synonymous with slander, but this is what happens. We are called somewhat to be a pest, to be an infection, but a glorious infection, really a healing infection. You have an infection in your body, then we have the antidote, and we, we have the medicine necessary to go through your body and get rid of it. We have the name of Jesus Christ who will cleanse you from all your sins, but we are called to be that plague. We are called to, be, <laughs> to, to cause all these dissensions and then be accused of causing them, our, them ourselves. And that's what's happening to this apostle. He even tried to profane the temple and we seized him and wanted to judge him according to our law. He did not try to profane the, profane the temple. Remember, we, we had seen that the, those people had just assumed he had taken a Gentile in there. They just assumed it and so that's what started the mob. So he's just saying he tried to profane the temple. That this it's a blatant lie. They know that the council knows that. Um, uh, he even tried, to, oh, and we seized him and wanted to judge him according to our law. That is not true. They wanted to kill him. Remember, they were trying to kill him. They were dead set on killing him, and they were almost they were near killing him until the commander came. Remember, and he's right there. So I mean, it didn't take him long to get down there, and then they stopped. But this attorney is basically saying, you know, he tried to profane the temp temple, so then we were trying to seize him, you know, we were trying to arrest him so that we could judge him according to our law. All of those are lies. Every single one of those are a lie. And antithetical to what actually happened to defend Paul. Paul did not profane the temple, okay? He wasn't even trying to profane the, profane the temple. He's still a pious Jew. And he's happy with, with being a Jew. He did not try to profane the temple. He was not seized. He was beaten. He was beaten. He was not arrested. He was not chained by them. And we wanted to judge him according to our law. They have not judged him according to the law at all. Even when they, the council before the commander, when he was struck, when Paul was struck. That's not according to the law. They were actually in court at that time. And, and they went outside of the law. So, all of those are lies. But the commander Lysias came by and with great violence took him out of our hands. Remember, the commander saved him and ultimately had to carry him above their heads up the steps because the people were still trying to kill him. 
even though the soldiers were there. So this is all just completely opposite of the truth. It's, and so now he's, he's telling uh, Felix, this commander, Lysias, who'd sent this Paul, out, this Paul character out to you, this man with great violence, this, this man who's supposed to be our ruler, he became a tyrant. He became a tyrant. We were trying to treat Paul well, we're, or at least justly, right? I mean, he's trying to profane the temple, so we wanted to arrest him and judge him accordingly. But then your guy, your man, uh, Lysias, came down and took him, by, took him violently. They were the ones being violent. And thanks be to God, the commander did get there in time and saved him. So by, examining, so, by examining him yourself, you may ascertain all these things of which we accuse him. So basically, go ahead and examine him. These are all the accusations. He's throwing all this stuff. So basically, it's a, he said, she or, you know, hearsay either way. You know, this is our accusation. And Paul, basically, he's setting it up to where Paul will answer these specific things. And Paul brilliantly does not all of those are lies and so he takes no time in addressing spurious uh, testimony and the jews also assented assented maintaining that these things were so every single one of them knew that the, those things were not true again why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing the kings and councils come together to to to, to hurt your anointed to attack your anointed. This is what's going on with Paul. This is what's going on through any man and woman of Christ. So they assented, maintaining that these things were true, which they weren't. Then Paul, after the governor had nodded to him to speak, basically, obviously he's saying, go ahead, answered, inasmuch as I know that you have been for many years a judge of this nation, I do more cheerfully answer myself, because you may ascertain that this is no, that, that, that it is no more than 12 days since I went up to Jerusalem to worship. Okay. So this is not vain flattery. Paul is saying basically, since you've been here a while, I'm glad you've been here a while. You're at least accustomed to the Jews. You know what typically happens. You know that this probably isn't as straightforward as they're making out to seem. So I'm glad that I have the, I have the opportunity to speak to you about this because you're more accustomed. You know, you're more knowledgeable about this whole, this, this way. So this isn't vain flattery, but, but he is saying, that is no that you know is no more than 12 days since i went up to jerusalem to worship so all of this has happened in 12 days in 12 days so he doesn't even have time to raise up this tumult everything he's being accused of he doesn't even have time he's been there 12 it's been 12 days since it even started and he's been sent to caesarea he's gone before that council so he just didn't have any time it's been 12 days and they didn't waste any time. And they, and they neither found me in the temple disputing with anyone nor inciting the crowd. So they did not find me in the temple disputing with anyone nor inciting a crowd. I was there for, to, for purification ritual, remember? <laughs> with, a, with a Nazarite vow. He had sent, taken all those other men in to pay for their haircuts and for their offering, right? And that's what he was there for. He wasn't disputing with anybody, um, either in the synagogues or in the city. He's always going into synagogues this is the one time he didn't because he's he's going through the purification really before he goes into the synagogue to make peace remember with the jews with with specifically the jewish believers who think he's going around all over the place telling people to put away the customs of moses right and so anyway so he wasn't he wasn't either in the synagogues yet either or in the city he wasn't disputing with or with anybody or inciting any crowd at all nor can they prove the things of which they now accuse me now, now, again, 
a defendant is supposed to be proven guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. Okay, so if these men can't prove it, I should be freed. These men can't prove it, and um, but this I confess. So nor can they prove the things of which they now accuse me. And we'll get back to that. But this I confess to you. This I'm guilty of. Okay, I'll confess to you. They haven't accused me of this, but this I'll confess to you. That according to the way, which they call a sect, which they call kind of a heresy, you know, a cult kind of a thing. So I worship the God of my fathers, believing all things which were written in the law and in the prophets. Again, Christianity, again, has her roots in Judaism. Paul is a faithful Jew in and through Christ. We do not have a God of the Old Testament and a God of the New Testament. Many people think that Jews believe in the God of the Old Testament and Christians believe in the God of the New Testament. He is one God and is seen throughout both Testaments. Just different. It's just a different characterization, I guess, is the best way. Because he came in the flesh. And it's just a different situation. It's a different testimony. It's a, the, the, their epistles. It's not all historical narrative. It's just different. But God is the same throughout. So, one Bible. One God, one Bible. Both old and new covenants. One covenant. Ultimate salvation. I have hope in God, which they themselves also accept, um, that there will be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. So he's going back to the resurrection. Luke kind of continues as we, as we go towards the end of this book. We've seen him in the beginning of, the, beginning of Acts. You know, we did, talk, we did see that they were preaching the resurrection of, uh, of, of Christ. And, and that's what, one reason they were getting persecuted. Okay. But then it started continually going to Paul preaching about uh, Christ and him crucified. And he even mentions that in his letters. And then later on in Acts, we, we go back to the testimony of the resurrection. I, Luke writes this on purpose, in this way, on purpose. It, Acts started with the end of Luke in Christ's ascension, Right? So that was right on the heels, and they were preaching the resurrection because not everybody witnessed that, right? That was, Jesus only showed himself to about 500 men, okay? So they're preaching the resurrection because everybody had seen the crucifixion. Then when Paul is going into all those other areas where they've heard about it, but, but what he's emphasizing is the purpose of that resurrection, or that, that crucifixion. You have to understand in those Gentile lands, God coming in the flesh we've already talked about this, would be absurd to these people. God dying, we've talked about that, would be absurd to these people. It's also absurd to me. God doesn't die. God cannot die. But, so, he has to explain to them what this means, what, what the crucifixion means. Once he's back in Jerusalem, they all know that. So he's testifying. He's going back to the resurrection. Basically, he's saying, we all believe in a resurrection. We all believe in a coming resurrection, the resurrection of the just and of the unjust. Everyone will be raised. There is a resurrection for us all, but there's one of the just, and there's one of the unjust. Okay, so we all believe in the resurrection. All right. Um, this being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and men because of the resurrection. That's what he's saying here. 
He's saying, because I believe so fervently about, about this resurrection to come of the just and of the unjust, I tried to remain as just as I can be, even before he was a Christian. Again, when he was persecuting the way, he thought he was serving God justly. He thought that was a just persecution. He thought he was serving God in that. And then once he becomes a Christian, he knows justice is on the other side of salvation, on the other side of the cross, and now... He's serving Christ that way. But according to his conscience, since there is a resurrection, once I know the truth, I am determined to have a clear conscience before God and men. We will not be perfect. We will not be perfect. But if this is not in your heart, I, I, seek your Savior. Seek your Savior. That's a, I mean, that's all I can say. This being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and men. I strive to. I strive to. I desire to. It's my greatest desire. But I still have a sinful heart and sinful inclinations. But to the best of my ability and to the best of my knowledge and the revelation that God has given me, I do not purposefully, intentionally go outside of that. Let's just put it that way. Now, after many years, I came to bring alms and offerings to my nation. Remember, he had been gathering all those to, send, to bring to Jerusalem, all the, all the provisions that the people had given him, all the alms and um, everything for the benevolence of the church, for the giving of the poor and widows. The church is, is, is determined to serve the poor and widows. They have to be older widows. We'll see that in, in Paul's letters, but that's what the, the alms are for. Uh, and the destitute, the sick, you know, whoever can't provide for themselves, basically. Uh, so, for, uh, now, for, after many years, I came to bring alms and offerings to my nations. Remember, there was a long period of time between the first time he had gone to Jerusalem and Jesus told him to go, get out of here, they're not going to receive your testimony, and I want you to go out, out to all the Gentiles. That's where, you know, the mob got all upset again. But, so, that, he's just saying, I haven't been back to Jerusalem in a while, you know, in a long time, it's been 20, about 20 years. So after many years, I, I, came, I came to bring alms and offerings to my nation. So in great intentions, in the midst of which some Jews from Asia, remember we saw that, remember those, he had much persecution in Asia. Remember, that was where Ephesus was, Malta, where he met with the Ephesian elders, but he was persecuted a bunch there. So the, the Jews from Asia found him purified in the temple, Neither with a mob nor with a tumult, they found me purified. I, the, the time of purification is done, and they found me purified in the temple. Much less, you know, not only uh, was I not in the midst of, uh, neither with a mob nor with a tumult, but I was purified. I had just performed the purification rites. They continued to accuse me of going outside of Judaism, and they found me in the temple purified. Neither with a mob or a tumult. They ought, they ought to have been here before you to object if they have anything against me. This council purposefully did not bring those Jews from Asia because they knew if they were called to witness, they would either perjure themselves, they would ha either have to perjure themselves to great, you know, possible harm to themselves, death, or they can't take them at all. So they decide not to take them at all. So basically the council doesn't even have witnesses of this. And Paul's pointing that out. They should have been here. Um, or else let those who are here themselves say if they found any wrong, wrongdoing in me while I stood before their council. So even last time, did I do anything wrong in that council? 
When I was struck, did I do anything wrong? I just said, you know, he even continues. Um, they found anything wrong in me while I stood before the council, unless it is for this one statement which I cried out, standing among them, concerning the resurrection of the dead, I am, I am being judged by you this day. So basically, they should, if, if any wrongdoing happened, at least in that time, you know, go ahead, tell, tell me what I did wrong there. If it was because I stood up and said, because of the resurrection, I'm being judged this day, I just told you, we all believe in the resurrection. So all of this is nonsense. Even if it is, you're, you're accusing me of, of preaching about the resurrection, we all believe in the resurrection. This is merely a theological discussion anyway, and has no part of the Roman law, the Roman justice system. This, this is not necessary, at the very least. It's just unnecessary. So the Jews from Asia should be here. They're not here. If these men have anything to say about any actual encounter they had with me, let them say it. Unless it's because I stood up and said, it's because of the resurrection that, that I'm being judged. Okay. But when Felix heard these things, having more accurate knowledge of the way, he adjourned the proceedings and said, when Lysias the commander comes down, I will make, him a, I will make a decision on your case. So, Felix. Okay. Now he knows more information about Christianity, basically, about this sect and, and, and of all of that entails, and particularly what, the, what this commotion is all about. Okay, this, 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 is, this is a hostile difference, theological difference, that is causing one to kill the other, but it is not causing hatred from the one to the others. So uh, Felix notices that. And he says, when Lysias, the commander, comes down, I'll make, I'll make a decision on your case. He doesn't say, and by the way, I'm going to go ahead and send for him now. Because he doesn't. He never does. So he commanded the centurion to keep Paul and to let him have liberty and told him not to forbid any of his friends to provide for or visit him. So he gives him, he gives him more liberty. He gives him the ability to be visited. He keeps him bound, though. He keeps him in custody, but he lets him have friends come, come provide for him, and to visit him. Just a little more, little more freedom, a little more lax. And he'll have that for the duration of his imprisonment. He actually stays in a house in Rome and has many visitors. We'll, we'll get to that, God willing. So, and after some days, when Felix came down with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, uh, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Okay, Drusilla is the daughter of King Agrippa I. He was the one who was, who came, remember in chapter 11, I think it was, where he came out in that shining garment and was killed, immediately struck dead by the angel. Do we remember that? That was Agrippa the, Agrippa the I. Agrippa II, this is, a, Agrippa II is actually coming, but uh, 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 Drusilla is Agrippa I's wife. I, I mean, I'm sorry, daughter. Okay, so there's a relation, there's a relation here which we'll see when we come across Agrippa. Okay, so I just wanted to point that out here. There's a relation here. Who is Jewish? So, Drusilla is Jewish. He sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Now, as Paul reasoned about the righteousness, about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and answered, Go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you briefly. Many, many ministries, I, I, you know, I, I, I try to expand my studies as much as I can. 
And there's one particular institution, which will remain unnamed, unless you want me to tell you afterward. But they, they are under, they believe that we are past the time to speak of the judgment and the wrath of God. Basically, they think since this is a post-Christian world, that suggests to people that we're, we're better than they are and all the rest. I refuse. I, I detest that conclusion. I, I wouldn't go so far as to say it's heretical. I'll say it's unbiblical. I'll say it's absolutely unbiblical. There's nothing to save you from if there is no judgment to come. If there is no wrath, if there is no destruction, if there is no pending fire coming, we have no need of Christ. So, Paul is telling him about righteousness, which Felix does not have. About self-control, which Felix does not have. And then, judgment, which Felix knows he will have. So he gets scared. He doesn't repent. He just gets tired of hearing. His conscience is seared. We saw that jailer, with his heart broken, fall on his knees and ask, Sirs, what must, what must I do to be saved? That's what Felix should have done. The hearts of men and women are desperately wicked. It's in, it's in the flood narrative. It's true. It's just true. And unless God himself floods the streams into our own hearts, we will continue to be hard and determined to be away from him until the judgment, until it's too late. Now as he reasoned about the... Okay, I'm sorry. So, go away for now. Uh, when I have a convenient time, I'll call for you. Meanwhile, he also hoped that money would be given him by Paul. This man is corrupt. This man is corrupt. Now, he's not just expecting money from Paul. He, he knows that, that his friend, friends are providing for him. And so, his friends loving Paul so much, you know, maybe one of them will come pay me off for his freedom. But these are Christians. These are Christians. They are not going to pay somebody off. They are not going to pay somebody off, you know, illegally, basically. This corrupt governor, even for the sake of Paul. But that's what he wants. That's what Felix wants. That he might release him. Therefore, he sent for him more often and conversed with him. Again, he just was hoping for, to be paid off. But after two years, Porcius Festus succeeded Felix, and Felix, wanting to do the Jews a favor, left Paul bound. Felix, so word gets back to Nero. The Caesar at this time is Nero. Uh, suffice it to say, Nero was a wicked, wicked emperor. Eventually, the, 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 the persecution and the war and the destruction of the Jews is coming. It's coming soon. Throughout the 60s AD, they, are, they do attack Jerusalem many times. In 70 AD, Jerusalem is completely destroyed. Completely. It's not rebuilt until after the World War II. So the Jews were pilgrims for that whole time since. In 70 AD, it was destroyed. So the fury and the rage against the Jews, the anti-Semitism, is boiling over at this point. Let me just say that. However, the tyranny of this Felix and what he's doing to the Jews, because it's causing unrest, and again, the Romans cannot stand unrest. Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, you need to enforce to bring peace to this place. 
and Felix was failing in that. So Nero is continually getting reports about these unrests, these riots, these mobs, and all these, pro these problems. And so Nero is actually the one who deposes him. This wicked Caesar, this wicked emperor, thinks even Felix is too much. So he replaces him with this gentleman, uh, with this man named Festus. Now, unfortunately for Paul, Festus, we will see, isn't as knowledgeable about Judaism, about any of this. He, he's just getting started. He'll go straight to Jerusalem. About 15 days later after this, he'll go to Jerusalem, and they'll start talking about Paul there. And then they'll come and have a whole other court situation. And then eventually Agrippa will come and he will testify before the king. However, anyway, so in the next account, though, he, he testifies. He, he appeals to Caesar. And even Agrippa says, I think, you know, if he hadn't appealed to Caesar, probably would have just let him go. So sadly, that kind of works out against Paul in the end. But he does testify before a king. So Felix wanted to do the Jews a favor. Throughout the Bible, throughout the Bible, and I have one specific one I wanted to mention, it talks about the favor God shows his people. In Job chapter 10, verse 12, it says, You have granted me life and favor, and your care has preserved my spirit. The wickedness of men will only seek the favor of men. The people of God Seek the favor of God. Seek to please Him. To, to please Him. Not, not to corruptly please all these, all, all these other fallen men. Fallen men will seek to please other fallen men for selfish purposes. I mean, let's not get this twisted. They're not trying to actually help out. I mean, there are occasions. Okay. But, so that's what the tendency of fallen men is to do. To seek favor for other men while we seek favor from our God. I want to talk about Paul is continually going before counsel after wicked counsel, and it's almost impossible to ignore the reflection of the same trials, the same sufferings that Christ himself went through. Always being falsely accused, continually throughout his ministry. This perfect man, Paul was not perfect. He might have had a clear conscience. Christ was sinless. The incarnate Son of God came to bear spitting, came to bear slander, came to bear curses, came to bear physical harm and flogging, came to bear the cross, the ultimate cross. Paul is more than willing to die for the name of Jesus because Christ died for his own name, for all of his people, into his name. Jesus is the true Israel. Remember we have talked about, even in that account, when God calls Israel his firstborn. Jesus himself is the true Israel. When we are found in him, when we are in him, we are the true Israel. We are the firstborn of God over all creation. Paul, in his service, in, in, in his, his gratitude to the salvation that he's been bought by his Christ, 
eternal blood spilt for us. What would it say of us if we're not willing to spill our, our temporal blood? If we're not willing to, to suffer the slings and arrows of insults and slanders, much less physical harm and death? What kind of love do we have for our Christ? I would easily, without a doubt, quickly, unhesitatingly, die for her. Would you? Die for her? Would you die for her? All would die. I know you would die for all of us. We won't die for him. Some of us anyway. Again, let us reflect upon our faith. Let us take heed and always consider how much we truly love and adore our Savior. How much we know him. How much we seek him. There's only one salvation. There's only one God and there's only one beautiful, amazing means of grace. But that manifests in a man and a woman. If it's just idle information, and if, and if it does not manifest into boldness and into witness, into true witness and, witness and even being a pest and a plague sometimes, Again, maybe more self-reflection is necessary. Maybe more seeking of your Savior is necessary. Maybe getting into the Word of God, which is true and, and strong to save to, as a shield and as a sword. This is our buckler. This is our rod and our staff. This is our eternal comfort and peace. This is the Word of God, who came in the flesh, in the fullness of time. We will enjoy Him forever. Forget the testimonies of these fallen men. Forget the vagaries and the vanities of fallen and cruel and unjust tyrants who curse you, who think you're a fool because you believe all this. Because they just know it all, you know, the earth, you know, the scientists, the experts say this, they're our prophets, they're the prophets of our time, the experts. Let us be like Rahab. Rahab was full, her whole nation was full of people who are fallen, who deserved and earned the wrath of God, and yet they stayed away. Rahab's faith was stronger and more determined than all of theirs. But she went outside of the same customary education that was going on in Jericho. So must we. We cannot just take the word of some man. I, I tell you continually, I compel you, don't take my word for anything. Don't take anybody's word for anything. Go, seek after God, seek in your Bible to see whether or not these things are so. Or, do more research, you know? These aren't all set in stone. All of these little supposed truths that this world tries to feed us, that we've grown up, indoctrinated under. 
let's reflect upon everything and only see God and the world through true eyes of faith. Where we are no longer blind. We have true sight in and through our Savior. That is the testimony of Paul. That is the testimony of Paul. That road, that day on his way to Damascus, with that light, brighter than the noonday sun, struck him and he fell down. Since then, he is full of that light and he seeks to spread it everywhere, no matter how dark it is. And no matter how dark it is against him, that is our, that is Christianity. Boldness, witness, affection, faith for our Savior, faith in God and his promises, serving him now and forever. There will be a resurrection. There is coming a resurrection. Everybody will be raised. Some will be raised to life. Some will be raised to the second death. That's what John calls it in Revelation. Let us take heed. We have this one really brief pilgrimage through this world. Let, it, let us dedicate it because it was given to us. Let us dedicate it to the one who is given to us. The one who has given us existence and now the one who has given us true life. Let's be always prepared and to die for him daily. We don't have to actually bear the upside down cross. We don't have to bear the stakes of burning. We don't always have to do these things, but we, but we do have a daily suffering. The world hates him. They will hate us. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. And don't be, don't be a jerk either. You respond in love. You respond as one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. There's no reason to get frustrated. There's no reason to get frustrated. Lastly and quickly, I want to go back to the walls of Jericho. There are many ways that that can kind of be seen as an allegory for them. One way I kind of wanted to talk about it, though, is the walls can be a symbol of our own hardened hearts. We're on the inside, we're destitute and deserving of judgment, right? Until or unless God himself tears that wall down, enters in and saves us, purifies us, Let's ask him if we find we have a shred of that wall left. Let us continue to ask him to destroy it. To strike our hearts until they're soft for him. To blow comforting and cool spirit on us to burn a fire for him. Let us seek to always serve our God, no matter what the circumstances. Death means life. For the Christian, 
we have one death. For the unbeliever, they have two. They have one life and two deaths. For the Christian, two lives, one death. Let's always be prepared to give that one over for that eternal life. Again, not only physically, but daily. Die to yourself so you might live in Him. Praise God. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father and our God, <clears throat> thank you for your abundant salvation. Thank you for your amazing providence and your abundant faithfulness. Father, I ask that you give us boldness, that you fill us with your presence, that we might be more conformed to the image of your Son, to whom we might testify to the ends of the earth, dying daily, that you might give us life. Give us hearts like this, my God. Give us hearts like your holy apostles. Give us your holy witness. We might serve you now and forever. In the precious name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we ask you. Amen. Thank you for listening to Sea of Fire Ministries. We hope and pray this has blessed you in your walk with God, and we hope you join us again next week. You have been listening to Sea of Fire Ministries, where the Word of God is life. <laughs>